In my teacher education program at the Ohio State University, I had two professors that literally wrote the book on how to manage the classroom environment, or in my case, gymnasium and outdoor spaces for physical education. Part of our program included filming lessons while we were student teachers and then time coding each lesson in 15 second increments and coding for a number of different behaviors. There was uh, listening to directions, listening to instruction, off task time, waiting, transition, and the holy grail was ALT or active learning time. So the goal was to run very tight lessons and have an extremely well-managed classrooms with very strong and effective procedures in order to maximize active learning time or ALT. This was my program. This was my teacher ed program. And so when I got into my first job, I was able to manage 35 kids on one basketball court with six basketballs and have maximized active learning time. That's the critical thing that procedures and classroom routines can do for us. The problem is very, very few beginning teachers went through a program like I did. Hello colleagues and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Buskey. The goal of this podcast, as always, is to improve life and leadership for assistant principals. The content of the podcast stands on its own, but if you'd like to go deeper with it, you can subscribe to our bi-monthly microjournal, Quadrant 2. Our next issue will go deeper into this, into how to meet the needs of entry-year teachers. You can also join our Apex community, and that is our paid community for, again, assistant principals and other school leaders who are really passionate about moving from discipline to developing teachers and to being part of a community and getting off that island. Okay, so I always like to start with celebrations. And today I'm celebrating finding joy in my work. The summer for me was full of stuff like marketing and planning the launch of our Apex community and doing this stuff that really isn't that fun for me. And as we kick off the fall, I've been fully immersed in creating the podcasts and creating online courses for people and developing our community. So it's just been a lot of fun to get back into it and do the work that really is meaningful for me. So the big idea today is that there are three things that we need to be focused on in supporting our new teachers. The first one is classroom management, which is why I started with that story. The second thing is curriculum management. And the third one is building relationships with school leaders. And I think you as school leaders have really important roles to play in all three of those. One of the things we have to be careful of is thinking that our early career teachers and our entry year teachers are covered by other programs. So it's not uncommon for something to be happening at the district level. You probably have mentor teachers within your building. You may have kind of regional cooperative networks that provide services for entry year teachers. There are, there are all kinds of pieces that may be in there. And 
I think sometimes we can underestimate the critical role that you play in building those relationships with your new teachers. So we're going to dig into that today. Why is this important? Well, you know, as a school leader, you have two jobs, keep everybody safe and help kids learn, but you're not in the classroom. So the way that you help kids have better learning opportunities is by improving your teaching staff. And if your teachers are continually turning over, you are never going to have a strong teaching staff. So that retention piece is absolutely essential. And I think the thing we need to understand is that the situations, the circumstances that teachers are coming into today is dramatically different even from five years ago. So even if you're relatively new to school leadership, teachers are coming in today to situations that are much more challenging than we did just a few years ago. The mental health issues from the pandemic, the learning loss, you need to the political nature and the divisiveness that's spilling into those schools, those are all complicating variables. And then you mix that with the fact that many of our teachers have missed opportunities to do strong student teaching in their teacher preparation programs. And we have many, many more teachers coming from alternative licensure programs. And those people are going to be woefully underprepared. And if you don't attend to their needs, not only are you going to be looking for their jobs, trying to fill them in the spring, you'll be looking, trying to fill positions in December. So this is absolutely critical. I had a conversation with a regional uh, new teacher support person in, in my home area. And we talked about the teachers that he was supporting last year. I think he had about 30 teachers. And so we broke them down into four categories. We had rock stars, those that were solid, ones that were struggling, and then we had the ones that were drowning. And you can think of you know, the traditional bell curve, right? Rock stars were about 15% on one side, the drowning people were another 15% on the other side. And then you had 35% that were solid and 35% that were struggling. So this is in a region with multiple school districts, mostly rural, but not all. And, and you can see just by doing this, if you look at rock stars and solid, that's 50%. So half the teachers were in pretty good shape, but half of them really were being challenged and needed that extra help. And I would argue that even the ones that were doing okay still need that help. So we talked about, you know, what did it mean that somebody was a rock star versus they were drowning? How do you know that? What are you, what are you looking at? And we talked about kind of the strengths that you would see, the challenges. And then we also talked about what these different teacher groups needed from administration. Now, again, this is one conversation with one beginning teacher coordinator, but it is absolutely consistent with all the literature that I've read, as well as my own experiences having run uh, entry year teacher programs for about seven years. So I just want to walk you through and, and break down these different groups because I think it's really interesting. So those rock stars, those 15% of people, what made them rock stars? Well, there's no surprises here, right? Really good relationships with kids, rigor and high expectations in their teaching, solid classroom management, and even being able to differentiate instruction for some kids. Now, the challenges they had 
were still was managing the curriculum. And managing the curriculum is something that can be overwhelming, especially with the standards focused we have today. Now, this is a really cool thing. I think it's cool. What they wanted from their administrators, these are the rock stars, right? But they didn't want to be left alone. They wanted administrators in their classroom. They wanted feedback because they were thirsty to grow and they wanted to get better. So I think this is a really powerful point and something that we forget that even our top performing people, they want us there. They want the feedback. They want us to help them grow. That group that's solid, why aren't they rock stars? Well, they're not quite as good at relationships. They're not bad, but they're not able to connect with the kids in quite the same way. Their expectations are lower. And consequently, their classes are more teacher-directed. They have challenges being consistent with their routines. They may teach them, but they're not consistent, and so they're not reinforcing them. So classroom management becomes a little bit of an issue. And that's what these teachers really wanted from their administrators was help developing better classroom management, and they needed support in increasing those higher expectations. Now, our struggling group. Struggling groups still liked kids, right? They wanted to be teachers, but they were overwhelmed with classroom management. They had poor or no procedures. They didn't know what to do with the curriculum. They were overwhelmed by curriculum. They didn't know how to pace and they could not differentiate. And those teachers needed more directive coaching. Not, hey, I wonder or have you thought about, but hey, we need to get an entering class procedure. Here's one that works. Let's go through and let's and I'll teach this with you and we'll develop it. So much more directive coaching. They needed pacing guides and then support and then support for implementing classroom procedures. Um, and then also those techniques and differentiation. So that's a lot. When we look at those kid those teachers that are drowning, that 15%, one of the big features was the lack of planning. They didn't plan their lessons. They were just winging it and they didn't know their students. So consequently, there was no engagement. There was no real value in the learning and they had very low expectations. But in our discussion, I think it was that lack of planning that really jumped out at me. And then are they not planning because they don't know all the other stuff? Or do they not, are they not getting any of the other stuff done because they're not planning? I'm not sure about that. But I think it's really important for you as an administrator to be cognizant that your lowest performing teachers, maybe the place to start is making sure that they're investing the time and that they're doing that planning. The thing was that almost universally, these new teachers wanted administrators in their classroom. In fact, they complained when administrators were not present. I think that's so awesome. That's so powerful. What that means is you can make a difference with your early career teachers. I produced a little list of 10 activities, 10 ways in 10 days to support new teachers. And it's just one 10 minute activity every day for the first two weeks of school. The power in it was not really any of the activities. They're very simple and basic. But what it did was 
it forced you to interact in an intentional way with your new teachers and to start to build that relationship and start to build a connection with them. So it was nothing magical, but a really powerful tool. Um, and if you, it's still up on my website. If you want to check that out, it's at frederickbuskey.com backslash 1010. I think we'll take you to the download link. So I think there are three challenges to doing a really good job supporting our new teachers. The first one is having the false excuse of being too busy. How can you do be too busy to support a new teacher? Are you going to be too busy to do all the job searches in the spring when you have to replace them? Are you going to be too busy to deal with the discipline referrals that come out of your classroom, their classrooms? I just mentioned the 10, 10 by 10, 10 activities. That's 100 minutes, right? So if you can invest 100 minutes with a new teacher in the first two weeks of school, that's two or three discipline issues. So do you think maybe by by investing 100 minutes in the first two weeks of school that you are likely over time to prevent three discipline referrals? I think so. So I think that idea of not having time, that's a false excuse. That's, that's, got it, that's having the priorities backwards. The second thing that's a challenge is having a clear game plan. Again, there may be people from the district, other external agencies, then you've got your mentor teachers. So kind of coordinating that system of support so you're not overwhelming somebody can be a little bit of a challenge. But I actually think more about having a game plan is knowing exactly what you want to do. And, and that's again, that's where the 10 by 10 was helpful because it just gave you a little roadmap. But I'm hoping that this podcast will help you. When we talk about a game plan, again, three things you need to do. First, make sure you're supporting them with classroom management. Second, help them get a handle on the curriculum and pacing so that they can narrow in and focus on what, what and have confidence about what they know they're supposed to be teaching. And third is build that relationship and be present. So if you can prioritize those three things with your early career teachers, you're going to set the stage for a successful and hopefully long partnership. The third thing is taking a team approach. A lot of buildings have a lot of new teachers, and I would say it would be difficult for you to cover really more than one or two teachers at the maximum. If we're talking about spending 10 minutes a day with a new teacher and you've got five of them, like, let's be real, no matter how well you prioritize, it's going to be hard to carve out 50 minutes every day to be with a bunch of new teachers. So taking a team approach where a principal has some, assistant principal has some, instructional coach, where we really spread out, um, that's really important. As well as then being able to bring those teachers together for activities and processing as a group. So... You're probably anywhere from one to three weeks into school if you're in the United States. We're, we're just starting up the fall. And I have a couple questions I think you can do to take your own pulse and see if you're with it when it comes to your entry or teachers. The first question is, can you categorize them? Do you know which ones are your rock stars? Which ones are solid? Which ones are struggling? And who's drowning? More importantly, can you define what puts them into those categories and then determine what each group needs most from you? Are you supporting them? 
And are you being directive? Or are you kind of making suggestions, suggestions that probably are lost on overwhelmed 22 year olds? Are you being directive or are you just suggesting? And then finally, do you have a team approach that's prioritizing the support of early career teachers? So what are your next steps? First, it's just building relationships with your early career teachers. Get to know who they are personally, but get to know who they are professionally as well. Your relationships have two components, the professional and the social component. And really with our new teachers, you probably need to be hitting both of those. How do you build a relationship? Be present. First, you have to be there and you have to be fully present and then learn, ask questions, find out their stories. Why are they in teaching? What are they looking forward to? What are they afraid of, right? But be present with them. The second thing to do is to be direct, right? We have to be more directive. And part of that is saying, this is what I want you to try. And then the second piece of this, here's how to do that. I can't necessarily hand somebody a procedure and just say, this is the procedure, go do it. I may need to teach them because maybe they didn't have that film study and things being broken down in incremental time when they were undergrads in college. So directive is telling them what to do, but then also walking them through it and showing them and doing the teaching. And finally then, it's driving the conversations in your instructional leadership team. If you've been following my stuff over the past month, you know I've been talking a lot about the instructional leadership team and about having instructional leadership team agendas and weekly meetings that are really focused on teacher development. And in the fall right now, the majority of that time in your ILT should be spent talking about how we support our early career teachers as individuals and also as groups. So having those conversations within the ILT is absolutely critical for supporting your teachers. So summarizing, I have three big takeaways. First, you need to support your early career teachers don't leave it in the ballpark of your mentor. It's your job. It's your job to grow your teachers. You need to take care of them. Yes, they're happy to have a mentor, but really they want you. They want you because you're the leader. Second, early career teachers want you to be present and direct. I've said that 25 times in the podcast. And I guess if you only take away two things from this podcast, know this, your early career teachers want you to be present. They want you in your classrooms. And they want you to tell them when you see ways that they could improve. Third, investing time in your early career teachers is not an option. You, you can either, well, I guess it is. Having time that, is, that goes with these teachers is not an option. You can choose to invest your time or spend your time. If you invest your time now, helping them get their classroom procedures underway, helping them not be overwhelmed by the curriculum and building that relationship of trust so that they feel supported. If you do those three things now, you are investing time. If you don't do that, you're gonna spend time. You're gonna be spending time managing the students 
that get office referrals from their poorly managed classrooms. You're going to spend time dealing with parents who are angry that their kids aren't learning or are getting kicked out of class. And then you're going to spend time doing job searches and recruiting and interviewing new teachers. And then the following year, you're going to do it again. We have got to invest time in those early career teachers. It's not the job of your district office. It's not the job of a regional teacher, new teacher support program. It's not the job of your mentor. It's you. It's your job. They want you to provide that support, and we need to provide it. All right, so there are some things that I'm trying to do to help make it a little bit easier now that I've kind of stood up on the soapbox. Uh, I have that 10 ways for 10 days. I talked about that. And again, that's at frederickbuskey.com backslash 10 ways, not 1010. frederickbuskey.com backslash 10 ways. Um, downloading that also signs you up for quadrant two, the micro journal I talked about. So every couple weeks, then you'll get something from that. And again, this fall, a lot of it is support on new teachers. Okay. That wraps up today's content focused episode. We'll be back next week to dig into the new teacher checklist. You can ask questions, make requests, or give me feedback at frederick at frederickbuskey.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and rate this podcast. Speaking of podcasts, we now have a YouTube channel aptly named The Assistant Principal. We're releasing some of our favorite past episodes and with video as well as our Five for Friday episodes. You can search YouTube for The Assistant Principal or find a link in our show website at frederickbuskey.com backslash AP podcast. Speaking of websites, you can find all the links and all the other stuff at frederickbuskey.com. That wraps up today's show. I'm Frederick Buskey, and I hope you'll join me next time for The Assistant Principal podcast. Cheers. <laughs>